Well, good morning again. I gotta find my spot here. Uh, for those of you who have no idea who I am, I look forward to meeting you after the service. But my name is Jesse Carlson. Um, I know many of you in this room. Some of you, again, are familiar faces. I have been a part of Mercy. I was, my husband and I were doing the numbers since 2009. I actually joined. Um, I moved down to the cities after college for my first teaching job as a fourth grade teacher and walked into Mercy. Then we were at a really small building. How many of you remember that building at the U? Oh, wow. Okay, Stewart's, you do? Really, did not know that. Okay, we were at the U um, and have never left. Uh, I have been, played various different roles here. I met my husband here. We have uh, two boys who are uh, in elementary school and uh, I, I have been a pastor here uh, in previous iteration, uh, members, leaders, I have never led worship, and they never put me in charge of food. Those are like kind of the two things that never would probably happen. They had to actually teach me, I remember, gosh, one of my first times we used to prepare meals, how to peel an onion, because I had no idea. So we all have our gifts, okay? That is not mine. Um, and it has been my pleasure the past two months, three months, uh, Pastor Gary uh, invited me to come back and rejoin staff for a season, and it has been such a blessing to me and such a blessing to my family. Um, I wasn't expecting to get emotional up here, but it's been really fun to come back um, and to meet so many new faces and also to reconnect with old faces. I just saw, I have a nine-year-old who I remember dedicating when she was three months. I won't embarrass her, but she's in this room right now. And that is the joy of being in community for a really long time. And so it is my great pleasure today to get to talk with you, and you guys are all probably going, hurry up, we didn't come to hear about you today. So I will start. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Setting the Pace. And so this week, I have the privilege of speaking on rest. And now, for those of you who know me, probably know that that may not be the topic that would first come to your mind. Um, historically, Rest has not been a priority for me. I will be incredibly honest with you, and I will be even more honest because a lot of you know me well. I still struggle with it. I still struggle with it. It's a constant struggle. Um, but I believe that work was sacred, and it was really actually better to push yourself, to keep going, that rest, and honestly, as arrogant as this sounds, that rest was just simply something like I didn't need, like I was above it. Why would I need to rest? Um, and I was always in a hurry. I was thinking back to my first year as a teacher, um, as a fourth grade teacher, and I literally remember, even after school and before school, running down the halls to get to like the copy room to grab the copies, because I was like, there's so much to do, there's so much to do. There was always in a hurry. And even to this day, I've gotten a lot better, but like when I'd be in meetings, I would constantly interrupt people. Like they would say something and I'd be like, oh yeah, but this because I always thought I was running out of time. There was this, this undercurrent in me that was always in a hurry. Um, my mind was always racing. My body and my soul and my spirit and every part of me was just really never at rest. And it went deeper than that, much deeper. I actually, again, this is now looking back. I didn't realize this at the time. But I believed that I couldn't let anybody down. That my confidence, my esteem, my value, okay, was only found in what I did and not in who I was. And I actually remember when I'd finally get the chance to sit, right, and crash at the end of the night, 
um, I couldn't even like hardly do that. My mind was racing and literally the only thing that could kind of numb my restlessness was uh, Netflix. Now, I just need to clarify something. I am not saying Netflix is bad. Can we all repeat that, okay? Please, that is not what I want you to hear, okay? But that was the only way I was actually able to pause, and it wasn't truly resting. See, it was creating cracks and fissures in my body and in my soul and in my relationships that I didn't even realize. I related to this quote when I read it a few years ago by Ruth Haley Barton. She's phenomenal. If you haven't read her, she's really great, really um, accessible in her book about sacred rhythms, and it was this. It's on the board. It's on, not the board, sorry. What era am I in? Um, I'll read it. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us life, and we miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight, poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things only come through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. So there's some pretty strong words. But when you think about it, what does it mean that our lives are in danger? So in 2019, the World Health Organization actually characterized work out or workplace burnout as an official syndrome. So now getting burnt out because of your workplace is actually a diagnosable, diagnosable syndrome. It's stated that chronic workplace stress that has not been success, successfully managed, okay, it's not just a thing anymore that sometimes happens, okay? And if it's not bad enough on our physical bodies, right, our emotional, it also has a huge impact on our spiritual. Dallas Willard was a philosopher in the 20th century, and he's really a great thought leader on spiritual formation. Um, and he, one of his, I was reading, I was reading this book. Uh, one of his mentees was telling, a, was writing about this conversation he had with with Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard would often repeat this too in his seminary classes that he would teach. And they would say, "Okay, uh, Dallas Willard, what is the greatest threat to our spiritual life?" Okay. And he would simply say this. He would say, hurry. And they said, well, really? I don't get it. Why hurry? And he would say, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is no greater threat to spirituality than that. Okay? Now, at first, this may be surprising. And it really was to me. There, side note, there's a great book, if you want to, titled by that, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's, it's a really great read. And at first, as I started kind of digging into this, I thought, gosh, that's really surprising. But think about it. Just think about it. When we hurry at work, when we quickly write that email and then press send before rereading it, am I the only one who's ever done that? Right? And then you're like, oh, no, I've got a big mess to clean up. Right? We make mistakes. When we hurry on the road, we slip. This didn't happen to me Friday when I was driving my six-year-old to swimming lessons as the snow was falling down. And he goes, Mommy, did we almost go off because you were hurrying? And I went, yeah, don't tell Daddy. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Josh is not here today, so, you know, I can say that. Um, right? And we hurry, right? We hurry around people. When we hurry around people and we rush, we don't have time to love one of the hardest things for me to hear as a mom, I have a six and an eight-year-old, is when they go, Mommy, you're rushing. You're not listening. It's really painful to hear. 
right? But you don't understand. I've got things to do, kid. No, 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 okay? And my friends, this is the life I'm, I was living. And I still sometimes do. Obviously, I was rushing to swimming. But this was until about three years ago. So a bunch of things happened in my life that really caused me to change. I had a huge loss in my life. Um, I, did, I was going through a major job change. Um, my husband and I just had a ton of plans and dreams that were really going awry. Things that we thought were stable weren't. Things that we thought were going to happen just, just weren't happening. And it was really, really awfully hard. Like, really terrible. And I also had these gifts of some new really wise leaders in my life. And suddenly we realized time and time again that I could not live the life that I was living without rest. That the pace that I was living was not attainable. So you see, see this idea of rest? This idea of not hurrying? It wasn't just simply like this Instagram post or this idea that's like, oh, I'll rest when this happens. I'll rest when this happens, right? It actually was something I needed to continue existing as a human being. I needed to continue existing as a child of God. I needed to continue existing as a person, okay? And in fact, the more I learn about Jesus, and please hear me, many of you know me, which is always really hard because they're like, I was just at your house the other day. You were not resting, okay? I am not perfect. Please hear me on that, okay? That's the last time I'll say that, okay? But I actually believe that rest is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. And that the pace of life that he has literally ordained from the beginning of time, we're gonna go through the scriptures today, is actually one that is full of rhythms of rest and rhythms of grace. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take a journey in the Bible, look what God has done in the past, and actually what that means for us today. Okay. Well, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every men, women, and child who is here in this room and the back room. I thank you, God, for community, and I thank you for your gift of rest. Wherever we are at today, God, if we are tired, if we are weary, if we're having the best day ever, God, I pray that you would meet us. And I actually just pray right now for your spirit of rest and peace to fall in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when I said we're going to start at the beginning, we are literally going to start at the beginning in Genesis. So if you look at me on the screen, this is what Genesis 2, 3 states. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Okay, so this is after the creation narrative, right? The six days of creation. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, as a young girl, I grew up in church. I remember being told this creation story. And the Sunday school teachers, and I'm not knocking Sunday school teachers, right? Please hear that, okay? But they would say, hey, look, even God rested. Even God took a nap. He was so tired after the creation of the earth that he needed a nap. And the little eight, nine, ten-year-old cynical person in me was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, if God, the creator of the universe, who said he doesn't get weary, has to take a nap, what in the world does that mean for my, like, mere mortal self? Like, that just didn't compute. And I would get really, really kind of bitter about it, even in some ways. But as I leaned more into this verse, you actually see a different meaning. Okay, see, the word rested in the original Hebrew, actually in this verse, means to cease or to stop. See, God didn't take a rest out of weariness. 
he ceased from the work he was doing. Matthew Henry, whose commentaries have been around for, for a very long time, writes this about Genesis 2-3. The eternal God, though infinitely happy in the enjoyment of himself, yet took a satisfaction in the work of his own hands. He did not rest as one weary, okay, but as one well-pleased with the instances of his own goodness and the manifestations of his own glory. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was delighted in the work he had just done. He wanted to enjoy creation. See, rest in its original design was to cease and enjoy, okay? And in fact, it wasn't just good. God called it holy, okay? Rest has literally been woven into the fabric of creation, okay? And creation wasn't finished until God rested. Rest is not just simply a state of being. It's actually taking time to delight in what God has done. It's actually enjoying what we have, okay? Now, fast forward. I told you we're going through the Bible, okay? Fast forward, okay? Many, 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 and many years, and we're going to find ourselves in Deuteronomy with the people, with the God's people, okay? So God's people have been living under Pharaoh's rule in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. They are slaves working seven days a week, treated not as human beings. They are literally being treated as machines, right? With no autonomy. They are crying out to Jesus to deliver them over and over again. And to make a very long story short, okay, God raises up Moses, okay? They, 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 he leads them out of uh, Egypt, many miraculous signs, and they end up in the desert, this desert before entering in the promised land. And while they're in the desert, God gives Moses this series of commands to teach them how to live, to teach them how to relate to each other, and to teach them how to relate to God. And one of the, the longest one is on rest, actually, okay? And, right, here is what it is. It's in Deuteronomy 5.12. I think I have a slide for that, too. Okay, and I will read it. This is what God tells Moses to his people. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys, and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out, excuse me, with amazing power and mighty deeds. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, it's probably one of my actually top verses in the Bible, and let's just unpack that for a little bit. Now, Sabbath, okay? The, orig the origin of the Hebrew word Sabbath is actually sabbat, and you know what that means? To cease, okay? Are we kind of getting a pattern here? So the Sabbath being the day, God was calling them to cease their labor, all right? To pause, to stop, okay? God ceased in creation so he could delight in it. And he's also calling his people now to cease, right, from a day of labor and working. Now, why? Why out of all the things, these people are in the desert, they've been living as slaves, 
why would one of those commands be to Sabbath? Why would it be to cease? Why would it be to rest? Now, see, they were slaves. They had no understanding, and I think sometimes we forget this too, that as human beings, we are limited people. It's really hard for us to hear. It's hard for me to hear. We have limits, okay? This is going to sound so cliche, but I couldn't think of any other way to say this. See, God had to teach the Israelites that instead of human doings, they were human beings. They had to learn to be, okay? See, they had never known a different life that didn't include work, okay? And I love, love, love God's heart. Notice, he didn't just say this Sabbath rest for for Moses and the leaders. He said it was for women. He said it was for children. He said it was for their slaves and for the foreigners, the immigrants among them. And as my husband pointed out, even the livestock rested. See, God was not just calling them to rest. He was painting a picture of his love and what his humanity looked like, that everybody deserved to receive, that everybody mattered. And one of that ways was through their ceasing of labor. And another thing, too, I think sometimes we forget, for those of us who have been around in church and heard this story a really long time, we know they eventually get to the promised land, right? God brings them into the promised land. They didn't know that at the time. So actually ceasing and stopping for them, they were in this desert, around them was surrounding them with people who would have loved to come and attack them at any moment in time. See, actually ceasing their labor meant that they couldn't patrol. They couldn't pick up their weapons and actually try to protect themselves and stand guard. They couldn't get food. They had to prep that together. They had to completely rely on God. See, actually cease meant that they had time And the act of will and the act of trust reminded them of who God was, who he said he was, and what he has done in their life to bring them out of Egypt, okay? And this was really hard for them to do, if you know the story. They fail at it time and time again. And my friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel lately I'm wandering around in the desert just like the Israelites did, okay? desperately trying to remember what God has done, is doing in my life, and grasping for any sense of normalcy, any sense of control that I can find. We say it often, and I'll say it again, right? You turn on the news, you, you listen to the neighbor. I was one of the parents that got the email. My boys will be distance learning for the next two weeks, right? We're living in challenging and the confusing times. And it's actually not the way it's supposed to be. We know that, right? It's sad. Our hearts are weary. Our bodies are weary. Our minds are weary, okay? I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. And in so many ways, I think, when I talk to people, when I sit and I look at my own life, we long for rest. We long for a rest from the pain. We long for a rest from work. We long for a rest from trouble. We long for rest in our hearts and our souls, and we wonder why it's there, okay? But see, that rest is actually a longing that has been built into us from the beginning of time. And I believe it's one of the reasons Jesus came to earth. My husband likes to say, he, he's not here today, but I, I can talk about him. He gave me permission. He grew up in the vineyard, and so he always likes to say, this is his one line, and he said, because Jesus came 
everything changed. And he said, we so often forget that at Christmas. Literally because Jesus came, we are able to live and enter into God's presence in a new way. So during his time on earth, Jesus not only talked about Sabbath rest, he didn't talk about rest, he actually modeled it, okay? So in Mark, right, moving to the New Testament, Jesus tells the religious leaders of the day who did not like how he was keeping the Sabbath, many of the arguments, if you look in the New Testament, are actually surrounding Sabbath and resting, okay? Uh, I don't have enough time to go into that. But uh, they, were, they were telling Jesus, they're like, hey, dude, you're breaking the rules on the Sabbath, right? Your men are eating. You're healing people. Like, that's what, what's going on here? And Jesus says something to them, and I think this is really important for us today. He said, oh, don't you remember the Sabbath, right, to cease, okay, to cease to delight was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the needs, to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I'm going to say that again. Jesus came and the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. See, God doesn't tell us to rest to make him feel good about himself. Like, I'm such a good God, right? I need these people to rest to remind them that. No, he created the Sabbath. He created the rhythms of work and of rest, the ceasing of our labor to meet the needs of us because he loves us. Okay? And throughout the New Testament, I often get annoyed with Jesus because he's half son of God. He rested. If you read, after he did the miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus went and rested. You will often see Jesus saying he healed throngs of people and he, he were coming and they were going after him and more and more people wanted him to be healed and you want to go, Jesus, why didn't you just heal them? But no, the scriptures say he went off and rested. Why? Because he was a human being like us with limits. He needed to rest. He needed to be with his father. Okay. So now that we've got a deep dive through the Bible, what does that actually look like today? So first of all, by remembering that working, creating, and commitments are not bad. Please hear me in this. Jesus clearly states, work really hard and do really good things six days, right, a week. I love to work. I get a passion out of doing fun things, okay? I believe God gives us dreams. He gives us ambitions. He gives us mundane things to do in life because that is part of life. Working and creating and using your talents. I, I cry whenever I see, this is just like a note of following Jesus like for so many years. I cry whenever I see the worship leaders up here and team because they are talents that I don't have that I get blessed every single time. Like, Uh, We need our work. We need our gifts. We need our commitments, okay? I know some of you are in very hard working conditions right now. There are teachers. There are nurses. There are doctors, right? We still work. God is not asking us to stop working. But I think what the invitation is, right? Sorry, I just lost my spot. Oh, here we go. Okay? But we're really intentional with our work that we forget to add in that rhythm of rest and be incredibly intentional. How many of you have ever run a marathon or know somebody? Okay, more of you than I thought, right? When you're running a marathon, you don't just suddenly sign up to run a marathon and run it in 30 miles a day. Or did you do that, Starkey? No, okay. Sorry, that's, (laughs) okay. 
There's a process, there's a training, right? One day you do, I've never run a marathon, I've been told. Okay, right, one day you do like a shorter run. Then the next day you build up and you build up and you build up your endurance, and do you do it seven days a week? No, there's also built-in times for rest. See, we're very intentional with other things, and I think if there's one thing that I've learned and one thing that Jesus teaches us is we have to be as incredibly intentional about rest as we do the other aspects of our life. Otherwise, like that Ruth Haley Barton, we miss out on living. Okay, so how can we build that rest into our pace of our life? So Pete Scazzaro, which you haven't heard of Pete Scazzaro, not now, Google him afterwards, he's got a ton of good stuff. But in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about four aspects Okay, that we can incorporate into our daily rhythms of life that God created to help us build rhythms of rest that are rooted in the scripture in order to have not only an emotionally healthy life and a physically healthy life, but a spiritually healthy, vibrant life with the God of the universe. All right, so the first one is to simply stop, right? God ceased in his creation. The Israelites ceased in their labors for a day of week, we have to recognize that we have limits. Super hard, super hard. My to-do list is never done, and it was really hard for me, and I, I have to come to Jesus with this every day, that it will never be completely done, okay? God did not make us limitless. He is limitless, and that is why we have a God for that. Now, one of my friends what does it look like to stop then? It's gonna look for differently, so I'm just gonna kind of give you a little smattering of examples. One of my friends, I don't know if she's here, I didn't ask her for, oh, there she is, okay. But one of my friends, uh, she told me this practice that she and her husband do, actually, and I think it's genius. But they have two little kids, right? House is always kind of a mess, right? So they finally get to the kids to bed, and they work, and, and they both work, so they're you know, starting to clean up, and she said, we finally started setting a timer for ourselves. Some nights it's 10 minutes, some nights it's 20 minutes. And she said, we both clean up as much as we can before that timer rings. And she said, and once that timer rings, if there are dishes left in the sink, we leave them. If there's a shoe left you know, in the hallway, I leave it. Because she said, if we simply don't set ourselves a limit, we will never stop. Right? When I was... Uh, in college, I did my student teaching. I was an elementary education major in New Zealand. And it was an incredibly rich time and probably one of the most challenging three months of my life, too. I was away from home, different culture. I was in a really, really unique and hard uh, school setting without a lot of support. And I was constantly going. I mean, by the end of that trip, I was so, I mean, I had sores over my body. I was so sore. It was ridiculous. But there was one rhythm of ceasing that helped me. And it literally, if I would start to get to the point where I was so overwhelmed and so busy with so much work, I would stop what I was doing and I would go for this hour-long walk in the mountains around my neighborhood where I lived. And I can't tell you how much that literally walking and that ceasing actually stopped, like moving. Ceasing doesn't actually mean to stop. It's not like standing here, right, like a statue. What ceasing from our work, okay? Where are the limits that we can set for us to cease? Okay, so that's one, cease. All right, two, rest. See, once we stop, once we've ceased, once we've taken a moment to take a breath, we have room to rest. 
Now, Pete Scazzaro discusses that in addition to work, right, because that's kind of the thing, right, we normally think about. Well, how are we resting from our work? Other ideas could be resting from decision-making. Maybe it's taking one hour a night off from looking at the news or social media. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's even multitasking, right, trying to get multiple things done at the same time. Again, this is going to look different for who you are and how God created you to be. But I'll talk to you about what my husband and I do a little bit and one of the rhythms that we've started to incorporate for rest. So we both are, work on jobs that mainly deal with computers, right? Even now at work in my church, I, uh, we, even before this, I worked completely remote. And so we both were working remote. And uh, so we were on our computers, phones, you know what it's like when you're, you know, I don't have to say that. So we're here. But Friday nights, we... Uh, don't cook. That'll be our takeout night. And if we, if money feels like a little bit tighter, that'll be like Friday night, I got the rotisserie chicken from Target, right? Okay? So we won't, like meal, we make food easy that night, if that makes sense. We either hang out with friends. A few nights, a few weeks ago, we were at Wenzel's house. The kids ran around. We enjoyed really good food, right, on a Friday night. And we just played and we talked. Or most nights, we'll do like a movie night at our house. So that's kind of our, our, our rhythm, right? This is really hard for me to admit, but I'm going to admit it because I love you all. We don't clean the kitchen that night. You can all judge me, okay? We're religious about it the rest of the week. But on Friday nights, we put the kids to bed. We don't clean the kitchen. Okay, the dishes can be there tomorrow. I get the best cheese that I got at Aldi's that week, okay? And we simply sit and we eat. Sometimes we watch a show. We did that this Friday night. Sometimes we talk. Other times we actually will just fall asleep at nine because we're exhausted from our work weeks, right? Okay? And the other thing is that we really kind of felt pressing. No, please, again, you do not need to do this. Just giving you an example. Um, we actually, because we're on technology so much, we found that when we get tired, What's the first thing that you kind of do? I go to my phone. Oh, what's happening, right? It's not bad. But we actually started putting our phones after the kids go to bed, like in our dresser drawers. <laughs> so we don't hear texts. If there's a call, we'll look to make sure, you know, everything's okay. And we don't actually look at our phones until 9 or 10 again that morning on a Saturday. And we wake up slowly. We still actually wake up early. <laughs> and we kind of take our time. We read. We, we have kids, so we, we're playing with the kids. They know that Saturday mornings, they have complete, uh, like, mom and dad time. Josh will usually do a really long workout. I will actually probably sleep in because he's crazy and wakes up at 4 no matter what. I like to sleep. And that rhythm of rest that we've started to incorporate once we've started ceasing has been incredibly, incredibly life-giving for us. So what would rest look like for you? Okay, what, once you've stopped, kind of play around. Well, what would that look like to take a break from something? Uh, one of my friends uh, loves to multitask, right? This pastor that I know from a, different, from a different city, and one of the things that she simply does is she makes real old lady soup, she calls it, where for her Sabbath, for a rest for her is she doesn't use like any pre-made ingredients, but she takes an hour or two, one time a week, and makes old lady soup, where she's chopping up vegetables, making the broth from the beginning, okay? There's something in the ceasing. Remember, we have to enjoy rest, which brings me to my third point. So we've got ceasing, resting, right? And then delight. And I've, I have to tell you, this is one of the ones I struggle with the most. 
God meant rest to be life-giving. If there's one thing you remember from my sermon today, let it be that. Rest is life-giving. And I need to keep going. Okay, sorry. I've been practicing the timing. I get so excited. All right, so enjoy what you do. Go out with friends. Cook a really good meal, okay? Uh, Sabbath is not meant to be alone. It's actually meant to be it in community. And I know when I start to feel suddenly rushed, I'll oftentimes, I've learned to say, hey, when is the last time I checked in with my friend Heidi? Hmm, have I actually talked with somebody lately? And I'll recognize that in my rushingness, I've forgotten to engage in community, even if that's via Zoom. I know we're sick of Zoom people, but I'm telling you, a Zoom talking with a friend is better than not, okay? So where are you taking fun? Um, quick, quick story. I love to garden. So that's actually one of the things that I found that really brings me delight. And a few weeks ago, I had a gift card. I bought a bunch of little uh, houseplants. I came home, totally felt guilty because my husband was home with the kids. I leave the plants scattered on our kitchen table, probably not the best place, right, for all these unplanted plants, and furiously start folding laundry. And my husband comes up to me and goes, what are you doing, Jesse?" And I just said, well, you know, I kind of had an hour break, and I, don't, I, I feel bad leaving you with everything. And he just looked at me, and if you know Josh, he goes, you are doing nobody in this house any good, and you are definitely not doing anything good with those plants, just leaving me on the table. And he walks away. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, God. It was actually okay for me to delight, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, Jesse, it kind of was. And that's okay. There's no shame. So I put the laundry away, and I spent two nights potting plants, and it was lovely. But what is making delight, guys? Take time to have fun. And four, and I will end with this. Contemplation of God is the fourth part, I think, of rhythms of rest and keeping Sabbath. When are you keeping company with God? Now, I know for many of us, I grew up in church. Some of you might be new to church, okay? Uh, many of us have some kind of church background. But one of the disciplines that I was taught when I was young was Quiet times. Does anybody that ring a bell? Okay, there's a laughter. Okay, that's what I figured. Now, that in order to be made right with God, right, in order to be a good follower of Jesus, you need to do quiet times. Now, hear my heart on this. I'm actually going to read my notes because I want to get it right. I think it's a really great thing that's needed. I think we have been thinking about it the wrong way, though. Remember, in Mark, the verse I said earlier, Jesus says the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not for Jesus to have the requirements from us. Do you guys remember that? See, I think in the past, and the way I had always thought about this, so this is maybe just me, Jesus doesn't need us to sit with him to make him feel good. Jesus isn't sitting there going, oh, let's see, Jesse hasn't sat with me for a while. One check off. Okay? No. That's not what rest is for. No, that's not what Sabbath is for. I receive rest and peace when I sit with Jesus because he loves me and he is available to us whenever we need him to be. We have to pause long enough, though, to sit and receive, okay? See, and I have to tell you, I know I'm running out of time, but I have, this has, this practice in itself has been life-changing in the life of, for me. So a few years ago, Josh and I, my husband, were exhausted. Two little kiddos, whatever, right? 
And I remember vividly saying, God, when will you give me rest? Where can I find rest? And God just simply said to me, rest will come when you wake up early in the morning. And I said, well, that's stupid, and completely ignored him as one mature follower of Jesus does, right? We were already waking up. Our kids were waking up at ridiculous times. Kept going through life, blah, blah, blah. And I remember just saying, Jesus, I feel these longings. I am not restful. And again, rest will come when you wake up early in the morning. So I finally said, fine, God, you know, whatever. And, uh, and we started. So I have to tell you, we started setting our alarm about 15 minutes before our kids normally wake, woke up. Those first few mornings were not pretty. We forgot to preset the coffee so we didn't have coffee. Josh was grinding the coffee in the basement to not wake up our children, okay? And I would literally just sit for sometimes two minutes, okay? Barely alive. Well, we kept trying it. Pretty soon it got to be 15, 20 minutes. And I would do like a yoga and a stretch and just kind of wake up my body. Okay, this is good. Well, our kids started sleeping in later and it got easier and easier to start waking up a little bit like 30 minutes in the morning. And I cracked open my Bible. It's a little humbling to admit, probably for the first time in a long time as a follower of Jesus. Not gonna lie. And I say that not out of conviction. I started reading the Psalms. And I started reading the gospel. And I have to tell you, it was some, I was like, Jesus, and Jesus met me not in a convicting way, but in the constant way of saying, God, Jesse, I know your life is hard right now, and I'm right here with you. Jesse, no matter what you do in your day, you're going to be loved no matter what. That was life-changing in itself. I have to admit, this, like, I am not a morning person. Like, I get excited going to bed at night knowing that I have like an hour of quiet in the morning. Sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes it's 10. Sometimes I sleep. I'm not gonna lie, I had a concussion last year. It was really hard. So I had, rest was literally forced on me. See, each morning, if we start off our today or sometime during your day without my to-do list and you're reminded that God loves you no matter what, it can be life-changing. See, rest doesn't take away our problems. I am not promising that. But it changes us. And when we are changed, we are able to go into the world in a different place. I'm able to interact with that person that I don't agree with out of a place of peace and love. And we can receive from God. Uh, if the worship team wants to come up, there's a verse in Matthew that Jesus talks about. And it's the first time I read it from the message, I cried. So I'm going to try to make it through it. Because I think this is actually what Jesus has for us as followers of him. This is the rest, the kind of pace of life that Jesus has for us. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lightly. So as I just close, and as, I, as we think about, we're still very much a new, new year, what is the pace of God that, is in, that God is inviting you to rest in him? Where is God inviting you to receive from him, to delight in him, to remind yourselves that he is in control and not us, and to simply receive from him and be reminded that you're loved no matter what. 
For some of you, that's actually the reminder today. Hey, you're loved. Even if you've been following me a long time, even if you've never known who Jesus is, I don't know. Some of you might not even know who Jesus is. He loves you. For some of you, that's reminding you to delight more. Maybe it's picking up the paintbrush. Maybe it's setting time aside to read. I don't know. Where are you delighting? For others, it's taking time to pull back into community. I've been really isolated. You might have to join Zoom. I don't know. And for others, it may be asking you to help just say, God, how can I put my, foot down, or my phone down for 30 minutes and rest? I don't know. For others, maybe God is calling you into a greater Sabbath rest, exploring what a rhythm of rest likes, inviting him back into you, and simply receiving from Jesus, which is what are we going to do now in worship?